0: Just imagine, the mightiest heroes of our time,
1: all of them, on one team,
0: the Fire and Water Network proudly presents JLUcast. Hello and welcome to JLUcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, covering the Justice League Unlimited animated series. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin.
1: And I'm Chris Franklin, and we're back with Episode 6 of JLU Season 1, but this time we're not alone. As promised when we covered the BTAS episode, Zatanna, we've invited the Fire & Water Network's Fishnetologist back to discuss (laughs) the Maiden of Magic's reappearance in this little piggy. Please welcome Network All-Star and our pal, Ryan Daly. Hey, Ryan.
2: Hey, I was so sure you brought me on this episode for Bawana Beast. (laughs) Uh, I mean, if I'm known for anything in the Fire and Water community, it's my love of Bwana Beast. So well, I, yeah, of thought, course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, well, now you know you're going to have to do a Bwana Beast series. You know, as People are going to expect it. So uh, just just, uh, just start an FW Presents right now. That's like, what would it take you, like, uh, maybe 10 episodes to cover all of his
3: appearances or something? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> well, they
1: Cameras? only had two in the show. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, the two, yeah, there you go. What was the name of it? chimeras and fishnets there you go i I like it it. i like it yeah (laughs) oh yeah so ryan needs no introduction beyond what we've introduced he's obviously uh you know network all-star and he and i did batman nightcast for eons and until the uh bat cave was torn down for a uh Family Reunion picnic area for the Batman Family Reunion with uh, Sean and Paul, who are doing a bang-up job, so uh, we'll just jump into This Little Piggy. Uh, it originally aired August 28th, 2004, written by Paul Dini, seems like I've heard of that guy before. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, directed by Dan Ribba, I've heard of that guy before, too. Music by Lolita Ritmanis. In the cast, we had Kevin Conroy, of course, as Batman, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, Jennifer Hale as Zatanna, Rachel York as Cersei. Jack Carter as Sid, Peter Onorati as Buana Beast, Lorraine Newman as Medusa and Themis, the Greek god of justice, and Chad Einbinder as the attendant.
0: Batman and Wonder Woman are on stakeout at the Gotham Natural History Museum after getting a tip that Inner Gang will attempt to steal the Rosetta Stone. Diana notes the happy couples emerging from the iceberg lounge next door, but Batman quickly tries to defuse her talk of inter-team dating. He's saved by the alarm bell as the two confront a lone burglar attempting to break in. It's none other than Cersei, ancient foe of Diana's mother, Hippolyta. On parole from the underworld, Cersei pledged to not seek revenge on Hippolyta, but that doesn't stop her from using her magic on Diana, much to Batman's shock.
1: Batman seeks help from Zatanna, who has wrapped up a stage performance. He takes her to the Batmobile and inside sits Wonder Woman, who is now a pig, complete with silver bracelets. Zatanna's magic is unable to break the spell, but, sensitive to Diana's situation, an overprotective Batman doesn't want to call in any other sorcerers from the League. They attempt to locate Cersei using a spell Zatanna buys from a shady magic vendor, but despite an impressive light show, it doesn't work. It does, however, send Wonder Pig packing, and the heroes chase after her.
0: Batman calls in B'Wanna to track Diana, but advises him to keep the circle of other leaguers he brings in very small. Red Tornado, Elongated Man, and the Crimson Avenger search the city, but find nothing. bwant spots her and chases her into the lot of a slaughterhouse, in amongst hundreds of other pigs. Believing he was mistaken, Batman and Zatanna continue to pursue Cersei. They contact Themis, the Greek god of justice, who arranges for them to meet with Astuli, who has some info on Cersei. The rat is Medusa, who informs our heroes that Cersei always dreamed of playing the amphitheater on Mykonos. Meanwhile,
1: Diana enters the factory and realizes it's no place for pigs. She runs away but is chased by one of the factory workers. Satan and Batman interrupt Cersei's stage show on Mykonos, but she changes her audience of male admirers into ferocious animals who attack the heroes. The factory worker catches up to Wonder Pig, but when he attempts to shoot her, she deflects the bullets with her bracelets. Oy. Seriously. A group of workers managed to finally nab and bind her, sending her down the conveyor belt to the Rending Blades.
0: Back at the amphitheater, Batman asks Circe what he would need to give in exchange for Diana being free from the spell. Circe is delighted to have him in such a predicament and tells him it will have to be something deeply personal, that he's kept concealed for years, and that is singing. Batman belts out, I am I blue to the crowd, and to the tearing eyes of Zatanna and Circe. The evil sorceress agrees to keep her end of the bargain, but Zatanna wants to make sure he finishes the song first.
1: At the slaughterhouse, Wonder Pig grows closer and closer to the grinding gears and blade. She slides through the stripped rubber curtains and emerges human, or Amazon, once more. On Mykonos, Batman does something else he's not accustomed to and thanks Zatanna for her help. Later, on The Watchtower, Wonder Woman admits she doesn't remember much from her time as a poor kind, but she does hum a familiar song as she coyly leaves a bemused batman behind all right so uh so folks this episode is pretty ridiculous isn't it though so <laughs> what do you think ryan uh
2: i mean i i somewhat requested this episode just cuz i've always enjoyed it I, I it's a it's a very memorable episode um i don't think it is necessarily one of the best episodes of the series. I mean the series had some great episodes and I don't think this one would be in the top five, even the top ten. But it is highly memorable and I think it's – I mean you pointed out it's, it's pretty ridiculous. But going a little bit deeper than that, we see our two main heroes, Batman and Wonder Woman – in ways that they we, – we see them vulnerable in ways that we've rarely ever seen them made vulnerable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Wonder Woman, vulnerable physically, obviously. She is reduced to a helpless animal, uh, somewhat helpless because of the bracelets but again. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, she can't even talk. It's not like, like an anthropomorphic pig or something where she can – it's not just losing her physicality, which is so important to her. She can't express herself. She can't – uh, to, like, communicate or anything. She, she, like, she loses all of her humanity, which is something that is so important to her. Batman is made vulnerable by the end of it in a different way. He has to be vulnerable emotionally. He has to sacrifice that thing that is so important to him, which is the facade of ultra cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I kinda, I wonder if Haldini was like predicting things like 20 years in the future. And like this episode was written for all of the fans who think Batman never smiles. Um, Like like my brother who thinks (laughs) Batman never smiles. Batman can never show an emotion of happiness or contentedness. He doesn't sit down. He always has to be on. And it's like, no, this is Batman is going to voluntarily strip himself of that in order to save his best friend. no, and that's it's that's a wonderful little turn.
1: I agree. What about you, Cindy?
0: I mean, there are shades of the Batman and Robin movie in this episode, you know, kind of like the whole here's the here's the Batman visa card, you know. <laughs> yeah. When she did her bracelets, I'm like, "Oh." Yeah. But it does show, you know, Batman is vulnerable. It also shows that Wonder Woman is trying to be like, "Hey, baby," to Batman. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's one of those cases, and I really love the part at the end where Zatanna's like, "You know, no, no, let him finish. Don't, don't, don't end it yet. No, no, I want (laughs) to hear the end of the song, man." Yeah, I,
1: I, I really enjoy this episode. It, it is ridiculous, but they they state up front this is going to be ridiculous i mean it's 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 intentionally ridiculous and it's a farce and in a series like this that has so many episodes a season they can get away with that they've they've mm-hmm. earned a silly episode you know um
0: but it also has deeper beats like you know like i yeah. said you know i'm a kid i'm a rich kid with issues right 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 so.
1: i mean it it definitely uh it definitely moves the batman wonder woman uh, will they, won't they romance along? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and shows how much Batman actually really does care for her. We've seen that before, you know, when he thought Wonder Woman was, uh, killed when Gorilla Grodd's right. missile and all that. And, you know, he's like digging through the rubble, Diana, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, uh, you know, this, this shows that even more. And I think Bruce Tim pointed out that, uh, that Batman is actually more, uh, uh, demonstrative in his feelings for Wonder Woman in this episode than in the whole series because he's constantly petting Wonder Pig.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, so... <laughs> and he's talking to Which I to gotta her.
2: admit was a little weird at times. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, it is a little I mean, weird, isn't when, it? <laughs> when, what, when the pig is, like, feasting on, like, apples and fruit and stuff, like, in Zatanna's dressing room and Batman's just kind of kneeling by her, like, scratching her back and petting her and everything, I'm like, dude... <laughs> I'm like okay, like on the one on the one hand, like uh, oh, there, that opens up all sorts of weird questions. <laughs> like okay.
1: let's not go there. Let's not go. Yeah. Uh, So uh, you know we'll get into the details. But uh, do you did you guys ever think this episode went too far?
0: It skirted it.
1: Okay, it skirted it. Like you, what do you the the, the bracelets? The
0: bracelets. I'm like. Oh, but it, I mean, yeah, it was adorable. It, yeah. it was adorable, but I'm just still like, they did that. I, you know? I, I
1: kind of feel like Medusa was the way she was the curling iron line. Yeah, was yeah. was almost too far. Yeah, you know when you see Cersei, tell her I want my curling iron back. You know, it's. <laughs> I mean, that was that was like almost. It, it was like we're in Superman Two territory with. You know, I want my Liberace record back. It's got a scratch on it. You know,
3: I mean, you know so well, and
0: then the other thing is, you know, like, yeah, me and Seagirl did some time and I'm like, really?
1: <laughs> well, Bruce Tim said that, uh, there's a commentary track. If you guys have the the DVD set or I, it may be on the Blu-ray as well, but there's a commentary track on this episode, which, which we'll get into some of the comments they make. But Bruce Tim, he's a firm believer in why would they still talk like they did thousands of years ago, you know, during the, height of you know greek culture why would they still talk that way right so um he feels like they they talk with modern you know uh slang so that's that's where he comes from
2: i i actually liked that and actually because like i mean the the structure of this one is interesting and like because when once we get to like the the power action feature it's like this is not an action heavy episode it's part investigation part Chase kind of like suspense thing. I mean, Batman is kind of have to do kind of like the detective thing where they go like they go to you know the to Arkham to interrogate the prisoner. Except in this case, it's not Arkham, and they're not trying to get info from Joker or Harley. They have to go to the bowels of the underworld because we can take it up a notch because it's a justice at least for And I actually I love that Medusa is talking like she's some hardened felon or something like <laughs> in C block or something like that. I thought that part was great. Um, <laughs> if there was any any kind of flaw in this, I I felt like Batman's overprotectiveness was a little bit hard to believe that he. I, I think he had to go to Zatanna because Paul Dini wanted to write Zatanna. Uh, and that's just like the nature of the show. Because when she's like, why don't we go to Dr. Fate or some of the other more powerful justice leaders? And that name was like too defensive. He's like, no, no, no. We can't let them see her like this. Like, I don't think, I don't think Diana's pride would get in the way of that. Like, I don't think like she would be worried about. Other people in the league like snickering, like, hey, remember that time an evil witch turned you into like a pig? Like, they deal with crazy stuff like this all the time. Like, this is just, this, like, I I don't know. I just, I was, the fact that he like wanted to keep this so secret to protect her, I was like, ah, okay, we're doing this to kind of show how much he cares about her, but. I I don't think that was her best intentions, or her. I don't think that was the best intentions for, her, or the best. Um. I don't think he had like what was best in in like in in her best. um Best interest. I can't think of the word. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Best interest. Yeah. Um. So that just seemed a little bit off to me. Like that he was trying to like, spare her the embarrassment of people seeing her as a pig. It's like I honestly don't think Wonder Woman would have hangups about that.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, they just were turned into kids in the previous episode. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they, they get changed. They get transformed into things. And plus Wonder Woman is from the Amazons. You know, they, you know, she's, you know, steeped in, in Greek, you know, mythology. So they're constantly people being changed into this, into that, of people appearing as animals to seduce <laughs> you know, people. And I mean, so it's, it's not that. Odd, like you said, that's mm-hmm. that's a good point. Yeah. And 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 it's kind of weird that, you know, Batman's like, I don't want to bring in Dr. Fate, but I'll bring in Bwana Beast, you know. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was like, who do you trust more, Dr. Fate or Buana Beast? And 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 as much as I love Ralph Dibney, traditionally, Ralph is a bit of a blabbermouth, you know. So, I mean, you bring in Ralph, too, you know. So, I mean, Bwana Beast does. So, uh yeah, I think,
0: though, <laughs> that what we're seeing here is some channeling. You have, you know, Bruce sees Diana as an equal. And for him, that means he sees himself. I have to be the cool one. I have to be the one that's always like that. And he's projecting that onto Diana. So Mm. it's kind of like, it's not necessarily, it's like what he would want. If this happened to him, what he would want to happen. Right. And also it's going back to the point where he's constantly petting on Diana. It's safe for him to pet on her. As an animal, not as a woman, oh, okay. he's he's allowing himself to be softer with her just because she's an animal. He can't. He feels like he can't do that as a woman because that means it would actually give real weight to his feelings.
1: Well, we do see in Batman Beyond that old Bruce Wayne is very loving toward Ace, mm-hmm. so he likes animals. Mm-hmm. Batman likes, you know, the animated Batman likes animals.
0: Well, also. I mean, <laughs> I think that's one of those cases. I mean, and I'm getting into the psychosis of this. <laughs> you see, you know, the psychiatry of it. You see with Batman, he's afraid to get close to people. Animals love with their whole heart. It's safer for him to have a loving relationship with an animal as far as showing affection mm. versus with a, a person. Mm.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, so Paul Dini originally pitched a story where Cersei turns the male leaguers into animals and then Wonder Woman and Zatanna team up to stop her and cure them. And then Bruce Tim came in and flippantly said, "Just have Cersei turn Wonder Woman into a pig." And the story then went down the farcical mm-hmm. route. And uh, and and on that commentary track, I mentioned that uh, Tim said that uh, him and the crew were inspired by *Bewitched* and how it portrayed sorcery and witchcraft as common everyday aspects of life for some people. And how that, you know, how they interacted with normal people, in that case, Darren. So Batman is kind of Darren here. Wonder Woman is Samantha. Cersei is Serena, which was mm-hmm. Samantha's cousin, who was also played by Elizabeth Montgomery in a brunette wig. Right. Uh, Medusa is Uncle Arthur, that type of character, you know. So now, Bewitch was still big in syndication when Cindy and I were young. But you're a little younger than us, Ryan, so are you familiar with that series?
2: I I know of it. I've seen the the odd episode like on like Nick at Night or TV Land or something like years ago. I would not have thought of any bewitched connections when I saw this episode. Um so yeah, I, and I mean all respect to Paul to to um first him. I would have think I would have rather have seen Paul Dini's original pitch with <laughs> Wonder Woman and Zatanna protecting what they're taking care of business after the guys are turned to animals.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of wish we'd seen like a we could have always got a follow up with, right. that, yeah, yeah. you know. So it's it's a shame we didn't. Yeah, <laughs>
2: so, something about Cersei. Um, do you have any idea where her costume design came from in this episode when we see her? Well,
1: you like, know, my at first glance, I thought. And I've always thought this that she was that they made her look more like Cersei, spelled differently, but Cersei from the Eternals
3: mm-hmm. uh-huh. Be- because
1: she's dressed in green. And I looked up images of Cersei from you know, uh, you know, Google search, and of course, many of them were from Jack Kirby's original original run. Uh, right. And her outfit is similar. But it's not dead on, you know. There's not. I, I mean, and probably they probably wouldn't want to do that. But it it's definitely very Kirby esque, uh, with all the little circles and then the lines connecting the circles. And so I kind of feel like they were homaging. They were combining the Eternals, Cersei, who was later an Avenger, and of course is in the movie The Eternals. The she's actually the lead in the Eternals, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the film. They combined her with the Magenta purpley hair of the the well, I guess it's purple, her purple hair from the mm-hmm. DC comics in the in the George Perez era of, of Wonder Woman. So
2: Yeah, I was just I was curious about it because that was my first thought when I saw it. I was like, that seems kind of Kirby-esque in design. I was like, Jack, I don't think Kirby ever like worked with this character in it. I was surprised they didn't go with more of a kind of classical flowing robes type of look, but maybe they've done that so many other times with other like enchantress type or witchy characters. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, I I think maybe they were trying to and I think it fit in like you know, what we see her in later. She's dressed like Jessica Rabbit. I mean and and man, she she is I think the most overtly sexualized character we've seen on on this show. I mean She's pushing out everywhere. I mean, you know, and we, we know Bruce Tim likes to draw <laughs> curvy women and in, in various states of undress undress, and no dress. Um, and I think they pushed this about as far as they could get. Cause I mean, if, yeah, she, boom. <laughs> <Vavoom>. Yeah. <laughs> and it fits the character. It, it It really does fit the character. So, um, now, you were talking about the Bewitched, uh, not being, not picking up on the Bewitched connection, but Tim also said he liked how Joss Whedon and his staff could mix in humor episodes into Buffy and Angel just out of nowhere, really pushed the envelope of what that show could do. They could do like super serious dark storylines and then have an episode where everybody just sings. Yeah. Um, so he said he wanted to try that with, uh, JLU, so. I know Josh Sweden is a little bit
0: uh <laughs> Oh, he's a toxic jackass. Yeah,
1: nowadays, but uh, you know, at at the time, you know, he was he was the, you know, every, at the
0: time he was well thought of, but yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it it doesn't I I can see that. I can I can see this, you know, feeling like one of those those Buffy episodes. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh and this was of course before Joss Whedon had any connection to the Justice League. Right. Uh, so, um, <laughs> getting into the episode itself, uh, we see the Iceberg Lounge is next to the museum. Uh, and that's a nice nod to, uh, the new Batman adventures and the penguin who, of course, runs the Iceberg Lounge on that, uh, second version of Batman animated series. And, uh, Chuck Dixon originated that concept in Detective Comics in the nineties. And now it's made it into the film in the Batman. Mm-hmm. So. That's pretty cool. So, <laughs> the idea of the the penguin as a as a gangster as a, and a mob boss is kind of clicked in into the uh, pop culture. So nice to see. Um, Diana just pulls all, all her cards out and puts them on the table, and she asks uh, Bruce Batman if he would ever like to go down there and really have fun. And I love when she says maybe with someone special.
0: She puts her hair behind her ear, kind of like. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) Hey boy, hey.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then she's like, No, no, no dating for the Batman. It may cut into your brooding time. (laughs) (laughs) She's got his number. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) What do you two think of them as a couple, whether it like real or like potential? Like like I don't know like in terms of that they're they're in terms of shipping Batman and Wonder Woman where where do you two stand on that? you go first Cindy?
0: I don't know it's it's one of those cases I think it would be something to explore. I don't know if it would be a long term. Mm. So I mean it I think it's one of those cases do they have a potential to be to have a relationship of course. But do they have the potential to run the course of years and years? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I, I like them. Um, you know, the, the flirtatious nature on this show. And I think in the comics, it could work like in a Justice League comic. I don't know if it would work if they like, okay, they're a couple now. And now Wonder Woman's showing up in Batman's comic and mm-hmm. Batman's always showing up in Wonder Woman's comic. Kind of like how Superman and Wonder Woman in the new 52 felt weird. Um, uh, yeah. but it doesn't feel as weird because Superman's got Lois. Right. And yes, Wonder Woman has had Steve Trevor, but they kind of jettisoned him in the post-crisis era as mm-hmm. her love interest. Right. Uh, you know, and they've brought him back here and there, but there was such a long chunk where he was made older and him and Eddie Candy got together. Right. That, um, it doesn't feel like Steve is, Steve is no longer her Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Unless you count the movies, you know. Right, right. Obviously. Just, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and with Batman, he's got so many love interests mm-hmm. and none of them, you know, ever, you know, people will tell you his his uh, his true love. No Catwoman is no Silver St. Cloud, you know, I mean, right. the, you know, Vicky Vale, you know, so uh Vicky Vale, Vicky Vale. Uh, but
0: uh, <laughs> but so. I also think what you're seeing with Batman is he presents so many different facets of personality. And depending on who you're seeing him, who's writing him, stuff like that. Whereas Wonder Woman, her portrayal has been more cohesive, you Mm. know, as through the years, whereas Batman has had more takes on his character. And depending on who that particular take is, depends on who would work best with Wonder Woman on a long term scale. Mm. Yeah. I and could, what love interest would work with him? Yeah. I'm, I'm
1: just, you know, Bruce Timms has said repeatedly, people are like, why are you, why are you trying to fix Batman and Wonder Woman up? Why isn't it Superman? And, and Bruce Timms always like, Superman's got Lois. Right. You know, right, so, yeah. um, you know, they, you know, it's like, oh, no, we're not going to do that with Superman and Wonder Woman. So, uh, so it's, you know, again, it's like we brought up last time on, on kids stuff somewhere along in season one, they started hinting at this mm-hmm. and this is kind of, I, I mean, we see more of it, but this is kind of probably the most overt that we get with the, their flirtation, relationship. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, how do you feel about it?
2: Um, I like the flirtation aspect of it, but I think that's as far as I ever want it to go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I don't. I don't hate the idea of Batman and Wonder Woman as a couple the way I hate uh, Superman and Wonder Woman. Um, I don't like that pairing at all, and I think it's because Wonder Woman should always be either the alpha or equal in the relationship. Otherwise, she doesn't feel like Wonder Woman, Um, and with Superman, she can't be because he is Superman. Mm
3: -hmm. He is
2: the ultimate alpha um it, it, their their power sets are too similar although not identical their color schemes are too similar although not identical their moral philosophies are too similar but so when you put wonder woman and superman together she kind of just becomes superwoman
3: mm-hmm. and
2: that feels like that feels like she's now a derivative character of him and that ruins Wonder Woman, and that should never, ever, ever be the case. So I, I hate Superman and Wonder Woman as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, with Batman, because she—I mean, he's more popular, but she could crush his whole body like, <laughs> in, like, like whenever she wanted. Like, I, I one of my favorite images is the um, from the the Hekataya graphic novel of Wonder Woman's boot on Batman's head, drawn yes. by JG Jones. Yeah. Um,
1: I was thinking the same thing. So,
2: yeah. uh, so um, but but at the same time, they are of two different worlds. So it's kind of like when Batman goes into outer space or he fights aliens and stuff. It's like, yeah, these are cool little side things that you can do in a Justice League adventure. But they're not part of Batman's story. And when you think about – when you list – a dozen different romances that Batman has had and different love interests throughout the years. I think the reason nothing has ever settled or nothing has ever been fixed is because Batman is married to Gotham city Mm -hmm. and that's, that's the, the love of his life really. And so wonder woman can never be more than, a dalliance, and that just that again, that kind of feels like it cheapens her a little bit. So, I, I'm fine with them flirting, especially in times like this, because she's making him a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, we see he does have to he does have to sacrifice something. He has to put himself out and embarrass himself to it to some degree, at least by his standards, in order to save her. So, I love that part of their relationship, but I, they can't they can't date, they can't get married. Mm-mm. That's just not. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah, I I love the Cindy kind of mentioned it earlier, but the exchange where you know after Diana says those lines and, and Batman tells her you know dating with the team always leads to disaster. To and you know you're a princess from a society of immortal warriors. I'm a rich kid with issues, lots of issues. You know, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but then when he he goes to the old trope, if if my enemies knew I had someone special, you know. And they they wouldn't rest until they'd gotten to me through her. And then Diana just crushes a gargoyle on the roof and adds next in her in
2: her <laughs> fist and just says next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like she's like, okay, that's that argument. What else you got? <laughs> I'm not
1: Lois Lane. I'm not <laughs> Vicky Vale. I'm Wonder Woman. I I should be worried about you, little um, man. You know?
2: <laughs> nobody's throwing me off the top of a bridge. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love that. That was, that was great. Um, and then they encounter Cersei and, um, we've talked about her design already, but, uh, Rachel York provides the voice of Cersei. Uh, a year prior to this, she played Lucille Ball in a TV biopic and it's gone on to have roles in recent years on power and filthy rich. She's also a Tony win, a Tony winning stage actress, so this part is perfect for her, and I, I think she's great. Mm-hmm. I really do. Just think, I mean, she is. She hits the notes. She's having, yeah, literally. But <laughs> uh, but she's she's having. She looks sounds like she's having a lot of fun playing this character.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: Cersei is just seems like that character who is just all about having fun at other people's expense. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we joked about Batman's strategy of. Get him last time on Keep Stuff. Uh, he's doing this here with Cersei, who is, you know, a, a powerful sorceress from Greek mythology. He's, he's just charges at her, yeah. you know, which I'm like, that's not a real good strategy, Batman. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. I, I like the angle that she wants revenge on Hippolyta, but since that's a stipulation in her parole, uh, she's going to take it out on Diana.
0: Visit the sins of the, mother on the on the daughter right right you know? right
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i don't I, I every time i see the uh you know the, we've got the teaser before the 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 theme music kicks in and and we don't see what cersei does to diana but we see batman make his most expressive face in all the dcau when he sees what's going on
0: you call it i a
2: love that face. bit of animation yeah, <laughs> that, that very sort of uh, slightly off model, how exaggerated that looks. And with like the flash of light on his face, I loved how he looked. Whoever drew that was great.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really does. I mean, it sells how shocking because one, he's so lit. His his cape and cowl are actually blue, which we hardly ever see, you know, Um and he's his he's got like Spider-Man eyes. You know, I mean, he really he's <laughs> he's got one eye open wide and another one Close, almost closed and it's just like this, you know, face. So, I mean, it's uh, it's uh great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of designs, uh, what did you think about uh, Zatanna's redesign, Ryan? There's still no fishnets, but her legs are now colored darker, like gray to evoke, better evoke stockings. So what do you think of her look this time?
2: I liked that aspect of it, but I think I liked her overall physical design better in the animated series. Okay. Um like the shape of her head, the shape of her hair. I think I preferred that older Tim style to the revampers. But I mean, I I can say that kind of across the board. I like the original, the classic Batman animated series style more than like the new Batman Adventure style mm-hmm. and what became the Justice League. Um, not not like it, it's not like a, a serious like problem or everything. But just if I had to pick the two. I do I like that her her tights are colored a little bit differently in this one but I I think I like the way she was drawn in the Batman episode more than this one.
1: Yeah, every everybody in the DCAU went on a weight loss program since mm-hmm. Batman. The animated series are all mm-hmm. less chunky. You know, they're they're all thinner and mm-hmm. more streamlined and thinner waisted and and uh I thought it was kind of interesting. They seem like Zatanna has a little bit of a but to make her look different from wonder woman when she doesn't have her hat on, mm-hmm. she's got kind of more of a, a little bit bigger and an upturned nose, mm. which I, but it's not like, like, a like it's, it doesn't make her unattractive at all. She's still very attractive, but it's, uh, you know, a, a very attractive design, but I, I like that they, you know, they, they, they didn't make her look like, okay, it's wonder woman with no tiara and a top hat. Right. You know, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they both have black hair. So, um, I, I, I liked it. I, I like the design. Um, I, I I think I would like the gray uh, leggings on the old Zatanna though. Or yeah, and 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 I should mention that I'm pretty sure, you know, we have again we mentioned this last time. We kind of interchangeably say Zatanna and Zatanna. Yes, but in this episode, Batman calls her Zatanna, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure Julie Brown called herself Zatanna, and because yeah, I only know because I heard it so many times on your show, Ryan uh when you were doing power fish nets uh, i'm pretty sure she said zatana so you're right. it's uh, you know I, I guess there's really no wrong way I, to say
2: that's that's why i've always said zatana is because that was the first place i heard it
1: yeah so i mean but uh, batman like refers to her as zatana so it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, interesting there so we get a new zatana zatana a uh, voice cuz julie brown didn't come back so we get uh, jennifer hale as the voice of uh, zatana so what did you think of her performance ryan
2: Fine, fine. I don't think it necessarily stood out as much. Um, I, I was more distracted because, like, whenever she cast a spell I, – I, I watched this episode with the closed captions, and whenever she cast a spell with a backwards talk, I don't think they were working from, like, an official transcript. I think it's just whatever the program's, like, AI, like, trying to, like, interpret it from, like, a phonetic thing. So I was like – the the spelling of the spells made no sense. <laughs> no, uh-uh. No. I was just like, eh, that is not a word that she said backwards. That's not, that's nothing. So, um, her voice, it's fine. It's, it's distinctive. She doesn't sound like Wonder Woman. She doesn't sound like hot girl or, or Lois or any of the other girls. So it's fine that she has that distinct. Um, I, I probably prefer Julie Brown, but again, that was the fir- that was, that was my first impression of the character. So that one left a little bit more of the lasting impression.
1: Right, right, yeah. She does, she does have a l- little bit more. Julie Brown had more of a distinctive voice, um, than, than her. And, and part of it too might be she is a, she's a veteran voice, uh, over artist. Uh, she voices Enza Nelson and Giganta on this series, among other characters too. Um, so we're going to hear her again many times. Actually, we're going to hear somebody else voice Zatanna. On another episode, I I didn't even remember that, but apparently Zatanna makes like a couple has a couple lines in the episode, and it's not Jennifer Hale. So um so we're actually going to have three uh, Zatanna voice actresses, and Jennifer Hale. We've mentioned this before, but she is Disney's go to voice for Cinderella when mm-hmm. they use Cinderella in something or a toy or something at the parks or in mm-hmm. uh, Wreck It Ralph. Ralph breaks the internet. There they um they use her. She's she's Cinderella. So we see Zatanna performing her stage act, but at the end, she uses legitimate magic to reach into her hat. Then a giant hand appears from the ceiling, grabs an audience member, then pulls him shrunken out of the hat. This guy is overweight and middle aged so I think there is a lawsuit waiting to happen. What do you guys think?
2: <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, you're going to have a heart
0: attack.
1: <laughs> what do you think about that, Ryan?
2: Um... I loved it. First of all, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she—they probably have to sign waivers at the door. Exactly. Before yeah. They it, before they enter. It. Um, I like that, and I like the whole performance, the shtick with her putting her 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 assistant is in three different boxes, cut up, and then when she puts them back together, he's upside down. It's a nice little flip, and that's actually like a trick that you can see that professional like stage magicians do, and everything that doesn't require any type of mystical power. It's just it's the illusions and and like the. The actual craft of it. So I like that. And so I like when we see her later backstage after the show when she's like watching, like she's like watching the tape, even though it's sort of like a crystal ball. She's like reviewing her show and taking notes. She's like, got to be right. quicker on this. And when he actually, when Batman's asking, he's like, how did you do that? And she's like, it's called, you know, sorcery, It's like, for, I, I play it straight for the shows, but for the finale, I give a little extra dazzle. I'm like, that's perfect. That's what I want Zatana's thing to be. Like, the, the stage show is her daytime show like that's when she is a practicing stage magician and there is a craft to it
3: mm-hmm.
2: but because she does have the sorceress power she can throw a little flourish at the end of it and do something that no other magician could do because they don't they don't have her mother's lineage of, of superpowers yeah
1: right right and Sydney brought up a good point when we were watching this episode or actually this morning when we were talking about it before we got recording that you know, the last time we saw Zatanna, she didn't seem to have real magical powers and now she does. So no. how do do we think she uh just discovered her uh Homa Magi <laughs> lineage since this one or what? Yeah,
2: I, I... <laughs> I think between these episodes that we didn't see, we have the whole Zatanna's Quest storyline where she met all of the different members of the Justice League. And then, yeah, then that little three or four-parter where she found her, her mother's legacy with the Homo Magi. That, all of that stuff happened between the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll
1: buy that. And I'll, apparently also she learned that Batman wasn't John Smith, that he was Bruce Wayne because mm-hmm. she calls him Bruce in this True. one. Not True. Not John. So I, I like that because last time, you know, she she knew him – but she didn't know who he really was you know yeah, he, right. he trained with Zatara and and flirted with her uh, when she, actually she was flirting with him more uh than you know he was uh he was just John Smith so i i, I there's obviously been other times they met since the the Batman animated series episode so yeah yeah uh then he takes her to the batmobile and we meet Wonder Pig oh which my gosh. um I thought it was kind of interesting. I went back and watched it, and I, I didn't. I did. I skipped the opening credits, which I should have looked. I did. I, I didn't watch them, so I don't know if they showed the pig in the opening credits or not. Mm. But um, I, I should have went back and looked at that. But I did notice they didn't show the title of the episode until they were back in Zatanna's dressing room and the pig was wonder pig was eating the the fruit basket basket. that's right so so they they didn't they within the show itself they didn't reveal that hey wonder woman's a pig you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and wonder woman is is a uh she's like you said she is a pig she's she looks like a a real pig she she doesn't talk uh, she's actually a pretty realistic pig for Tim's style. The, yeah. the design of this show, she's just got her magic bracelets. Well, they're not. I guess they're not. Well, I guess they're kind of magic, but they're not as you know. She's got her. She's got her Wonder Woman bracelets. But uh, so, <laughs> um, the first Wonder Pig I remember was Petunia Pig. Right. Uh, there was a Happy Meal uh, promotion in the nineties. Uh, where they had Looney Tunes figurines that came with snap-on Justice League costumes, mm-hmm. and we've actually got the display uh, for that.
0: I found it on eBay, you know, several years ago, and really didn't have to pay that much money for it. Right, so. it's,
1: it's a display that was in the store on the counters, yeah. uh, but it's, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny is Superman, Daffy Duck's Batman, and Tasmanian Devil is the Flash.
0: Flash, yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and Petunia Pig is, is Wonder Pig, and that was before this, so I don't I don't know if that had any bearing on it, but that's the first wonder pig I ever knew. So, yeah.
2: I forgot yeah. about those. But yeah, now now that you reminded me, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'm sure I had one or two of those. But yeah, <laughs> they're
1: cute. They're really fun. Yeah. Um And it came with little comics in there with them. But mm-hmm. I, I thought this line was funny. And this I mean, if you didn't already know from Wonder Woman being turned into a pig, when Zatanna says, Cersei, huh? It was all over the mystic ethernet that she made parole. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just like there's a Facebook page for every interest. There you go. Yeah,
1: it's like you know, it was like like she was probably in some AOL chat at this point, you know, uh, it, it, you know, or something like that, a chat room or or some such. It it makes me wonder: is there a dark web of the sorcery set? Is that like the the Necronomicon? Right. <laughs> you know, the the uh, uh, what's the the hold in Marvel? Is that it, there's there's a there's an online version of it or something? Maybe I don't know. <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of Zatanna referring to Wonder Woman as as chubby in this one. Or, yeah, how, how did she phrase that? I'm like, okay, I get that every woman in the DC universe has to be in Diana's shadow, but come on, women support women. Don't don't call her chubby just because she turned into a pig.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And, and when she when Batman opens the lid of you know the the canopy of the Batmobile, she sees the pig. and She goes, ew. <laughs> I mean, that's a reaction. It's not like, oh, you're so cute. It's like, ew, you know, it's, it's a pig, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, Batman refuses to call in more sorcerers. So that kind of, and the way he's petting, uh, petting Wonder Pig gives, lets Zatanna know, uh, that something's going on between mm-hmm. uh, her and, and Batman, which, uh, he says, we're just good friends. And she says, no, you and I are just good friends. There's something more between you and Diana. And, and I like Batman's answer of, well, maybe there was. So, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. but, but I like that she instantly picked up on that. And of course there's that, you know, there's that, uh, that thing between them where they were kind of exes, you know, they're right. kind of exes, you know, they, they had a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I, I like that. I thought that was, uh, that was cool how she, she picked up on it. And there's, and there's, there's going to be some more lines later that kind of, Call well, into, I mean,
0: I think you can figure out when people have a thing because, you know, I get, gu- I guarantee you, if you and I arrived at a party or someplace separately, people would be able to figure out without us even saying a word to each other that we were together. Yeah. Oh, you
1: yeah. Know? Yeah. That's like, but it's, she's really intuitive if she can see that Batman comes in with a pig and, <laughs> unless Batman's into that sort of thing, which let's like, get into. <laughs> Christopher, hey Ryan, brought it up first.
2: <laughs> so look, look. By the end of the episode, we know that she has some memory of her time as a pig. So does she remember him, like patting her belly and like scratching the back of her head? I'm just, I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got to like it's like a yeah. She she's like in the watch time. It's like, hey, could you give me a shoulder rub like you did last week? And he's like. Last week when you were a pig? <laughs> yeah, right here, you know, right right here I got a knot, you know <laughs> uh, uh, Deanny had a bit in his outline where the Joker and his gang, including Harley Quinn, were planning a heist with a trap set for Batman. Joker sees Batman consoling Wonder Pig and tells his gang to pack it in because whatever he has planned can't top that. Yeah. So <laughs> do we, do we wish that that was still in this episode or is that just too much?
2: So I, I didn't know anything about that. When you started describing it, I was like, Oh, this episode did not need more Joker. I was like, no, no, no. I'm so glad. But by the end of it, if that was the gag that Joker just saw Batman with a pig and it's like, you know what? That's night. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, nah, nah, well, we can't compete with that. I was like, that actually would have been a funny gag. Yeah. I think that. That actually would have worked.
1: And I mean, I, I can't do a good Mark Hamill as the Joker, but you can just imagine him going, okay, we're going to go home now. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no points. Let's, uh, yeah. and Harley's like, what do you mean, Mr. J, uh, we can't top that. You know, yeah. so, you know, you could just, you could just, you could just hear Mark Hamill like reacting to that. So it, it's like, oh a self, man.
2: A self-aware Joker is kind of a funny Joker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we cut to Cer- Cersei's stage show. And, uh, like I said, she's, very va va uh and uh, we've already... Everything's
0: eaten. pushed up to there and out to there. Yep,
1: and so, uh and she's play, singing Lulu's Back in Town, uh, which is an old song that Warner Brothers owned. Yeah. Uh, and yeah I was just <laughs> saying,
2: which, which songs in the Warner Brothers catalog do we have the rights to, to yeah. use free?
1: Exactly. That's exactly what they ran into, because they didn't have the budget to go pay for any songs. I mean, they might have had to pay a slight nominal fee for these, but um I'm sure somebody had to get paid for it, but... Um and the the writers the writers of the songs which I forgot to list are in the credits I'll put them in the show notes but um so you know they get credit but they couldn't alter the songs because they wanted to have her sing Cersei's back in town mm. but they wouldn't let them change it so she had to keep it at Lulu so mm. yeah. Um we get to the, uh, the Shady Magic Shop, which this part does feel quite a bit like Angel, cause, right. nothing, cause, oh, yeah. cause there were always, like, bookstores and mm-hmm. things that had, like, oh, they're selling this, you know, if we could go in here and buy this, and, uh, so Jack Carter voices Sid, and he was a veteran stand-up comedian and character actor, he appeared on 200, he's got 200 credits, he appeared on, like, every 60s TV show, uh He was actually in two episodes of the 60s Batman that had Cliff Robertson's shame.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: he's got a prior Batman connection. So, okay. Uh, Zatanna needs sh- uh, Chimera scale, and Sid says he's the only dealer in the dimension. So she has to produce a silver coin from the Ming Dynasty to pay him. And then the spell doesn't work, and she takes it back with the spell of her own as they're walking out chasing Wonder Pig. And I always thought that was a bit of a cheat on Zatanna's part. I mean, because they they did the spell just because it didn't work. You know, what do you think? I liked it. You liked it?
0: (laughs) I'm like, no, man, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. And he should have done a buyer's disclosure that said, hey, this might not work. Mm. He didn't do buyer's disclosure. So, you know,
3: Mm. that's
0: up to him.
1: Okay. What do you think, Ryan?
2: I I mean... (sighs) Again, this episode didn't necessarily need more, but I felt like the character was a little bit of a wasted opportunity. Like when they first go into like a sort of magical pawn shop, I'm like, what if this would have been Madame Xanadu or something like that? Mm. But I think they, they needed the character to be a, a little bit off type. But if he had been something like a um, uh – what is Etrigan's human name?
1: Jason Blood. Jason
2: yeah, Jason Blot, something along those lines, or if they had done something. But uh, I don't know. I just felt like like they could have made him a little bit more overtly of that world, of this kind of supernatural or mystical or something like that. And he just seemed kind of like a, a normal pawn shop guy who kind of like a little bit underhanded. Um, yeah, I, I also didn't really care for the fact that she just took her object back. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, it it now that you say that, I wish that Batman and her had went and seen Jason Blood because there's a connection between him and Batman. You know, Batman
2: saw right, the demon in one of the Batman episodes.
1: Right, and and they've Batman is, you know, the, he was on a Justice League episode and then in the kid stuff episode we just talked about, which you haven't heard yet because we haven't released it yet. Uh, but but Batman is the one that tries to calm Etrigan down mm-hmm. when he maybe uh, Etrigan attacks him. So wow. Batman it knows Jason Blood better than any other Justice Liger. Um mm-hmm. There's that connection between the two of them. So it would have made sense for him to go check to visit Jason Blood and try to figure out a way to undo the spell and or locate Cersei. So I kind of kind of now I'm wishing, man, where was Jason Blood? <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> but I kind of like I I'll, I'll be honest with you I I'm sorry I disagree. I like the fact that they went to somebody else, showing that. You have this magical other, you know, civilization or, you know, this other mm. thing that's yeah. in the DC world that's there that, you know, there's not just one person to go to. There's all these other people, yeah. this other, you know, this dark web is, you know, yeah. there's other right, people right. to go to. It's just not one and done. It's a wizarding world.
2: <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I hear that too. I, I definitely, I, I see Cindy's argument. This makes the world bigger instead of mm-hmm. smaller. So I definitely, I, I can see the value of that too. Yeah, Um, I just ultimately felt like the scene itself was kind of, huh, okay,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, Zatanna tells Batman the spell she is trying to track Cersei with works better if she doesn't say it backwards, which I love Batman's reaction is just whatever, you know, so I guess she could say her spells the correct way. It, it, you know, is it, is, does that mean she could always do her spells? I don't know. That way or is it just this particular spell and wouldn't it be much quicker to not have to figure out how to say something backwards? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they did that with this spell. Was it just – you know they didn't want Jennifer Hale – I think, to- I
2: think they, needed, uh, they needed a little bit of exposition to show like exactly what the parameters of the spell, what they were trying to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, I guess that makes sense. It was too long winded to say backwards. You know, it's, it's like when you're reading a uh, comic with Zatanna in it and it's more than like two lines of a spell and you're like, okay, don't make me read that.
2: You know, right.
1: <laughs> if it's got a comma in it and like four lines, it's like, you've gone too far. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Her, her spell should be three words, subject, verb, object. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There you go. Exactly uh i like that Zatanna, one one you know they chase wonder pig they don't find her she's on a park bench rubbing her feet because she's running around in heels heels
0: yeah i, I, I like that
1: yeah that was a nice little visual bet and and uh batman gets snippy with her about not finding diana and and i love her line how many other girls would go this far out of their way for a cold insensitive and then she's cut off by somebody we'll get to in a minute but I think they could also add how many ex-girlfriends would help you find your current girlfriend. So <laughs> right? <laughs> and and, and it, it's funny. There's a lot of shade thrown at Wonder Woman in this episode.
2: Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah. She called her chubby, I've already said. I've yeah. like...
0: Well, and I think, you, like you said, think about it. They're both... Shapely, brunettes, long hair. Yeah. Both wear heels all the time, L- yeah, you know?
1: Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Does Bruce have a type? Uh Well, on the animated series, Catwoman, well, she started out being a blonde, but because of Michelle Pfeiffer, but I don't know, maybe he's got a, Bruce has got a type, but uh, obviously Talia's a brunette, but uh so, yeah, I don't know.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you got to figure, like, the... <sighs> Just it's the nature of the superhero characters I mean these are the the strongest most physically imposing men, and the same thing for the the women you know these are these are all beautiful, insanely beautiful people and they you know when they walk into a room, everybody's head turns, but when Wonder Woman is in the room, every other woman is invisible yeah so i mean i i yeah I, I can see i mean if there's if there's a chance to take her off her high horse. I get it, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's called, she calls her cold and insensitive. And then later, Wannabe says, kind of stuck up, you know, so. (laughs) So yeah, Wonder Woman gets some shade thrown on her. But, you know, like you just said, Ryan, uh, if Linda Carter or Gal Gadot walks into a room, all heads are going to turn toward them, you know, so yeah, that's, that works in live action as well. So. Yeah. Uh so then we meet Wawana Beast and I honestly when I remember when I first watched this episode I'm like oh my god they brought in Wanna Beast. Mm-hmm. I never thought we'd see this guy in animation. This is a deep cut. But who I had no idea at this time that James Tucker, who obviously works on this series, would take him and use him on Batman the Brave and the Bold and make him very important and very sympathetic in that. I mean, what you, you feel for Buana beast in that series, what happens to him. So it's like, wow. Uh, But yeah, Um, uh, yeah. unfortunately, Buana beast comes from the long running and now thoroughly frowned upon trope of the colonial white man taking elements of native culture and becoming their savior. So a little, a little troublesome today. He was created by Bob Haney and Mike Sikowski, for showcase number 66, January, February, 1967, he made one more appearance in the next issue before being shelved for decades, if that tells you anything. So. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, in the comics, Moana Beast not only has increased strength and ag- agility from drinking mineral-laden water from a cavern in Mount Kilimanjaro, thanks to his mystic helmet, he can telepathically communicate with all animals, which Batman talks about in this episode. Mm-hmm. But, and this is something we saw on the Brave and the Bold, and it has one of the most bizarre superpowers ever, because he can combine animals into a mutated super animal. So mm-hmm. he can take, like, a lion and a rhino and make a, a lion-o, like, well, that's a thundercat, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he yeah. Should... <laughs> yeah, he can do that. Uh, thankfully, he didn't use that power here, uh, but uh, again, we'll see that on the Brave and Orion? the Bold. A Orion. That, no, he's a new god.
0: <laughs> no. Christopher
1: <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> uh Grant Morrison later rescued the hero from Limbo and used him in his classic Animal Man Run. He and successors like Freedom Beast have appeared here and there ever since. But yeah, he is a he is a deep, deep cut. So uh so Ron, you joked earlier. Did you do you have any fondness for Buana Beast, <laughs> actually?
2: I I, I, I do, and it's just because of his look. He looks so ridiculous. He's got, like – he's got, like, the Tarzan out of the jungle kind of look, and he has – it. but the weird, weirdly shaped, like, mask and design, which kind of – sort of looks like like a, a Masters of the Universe type of mask or something, or, like, yeah. There's yeah. something unusual about his look. Um, and, yeah, he – like – he is such a problematic character because of like the origins. Like, I, I, they, I do think they were right to kind of replace him with an African character and call him Freedom Beast and, and, and redo that. But yeah, I just I think there's something that's so preposterous about him. It's like, um, um, okay, uh, uh well, I can't even think of who I was talking about. Like, like Congorilla Gorilla or Congo Bill or something like that. Yes. Um, something about those jungle characters that just appear like it, uh, it tickles me. Yeah. Yeah, he,
1: he's definitely like, he's, he's one of the many times they tried to create a superhero Tarzan, you know, and, uh, but yeah, you nailed it. He looked, the Stratos connection. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I just, I never thought of that before, but uh, yeah, his, and his, his mask, the way they draw it and his head looks like strangely elongated in this series Mm and several, mm -hmm. in several scenes. He is a bizarre looking character. Um, so yeah, uh, he is voiced with a thick New York accent for some reason by, uh, Peter Onorati, who is probably best known for roles in Goodfellas and the current version of the SWAT TV series. And unfortunately for everyone, Cop Rock. Yes, remember Cop Rock? Yes, he was on Cop Rock. Uh, but he was also in the recent Lucy biopic, being the Ricardo. So there's, yeah. there's some Lucy biopic connections between these actors. It's just,
3: I see like, that. Just c-
1: different times. Different times, yes. So, you know, we meet, he meets Zatana. And he's, like, just staring at her, and I love her reaction, what she says, Cindy.
0: My legs are fine, as is the rest of me, up here.
2: <laughs> but don't you think it's kind of funny that he's, like, half na- He's, like, naked, standing in front of her, checking her out. Like, I mean, I kind of feel like she would be looking at him, too, if she was at all interested. But I guess maybe not, but... Uh maybe it's just a little bit too ridiculous. The fact that he, he's ogling her, but he's also wearing a loincloth and a, and a mask.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. She's got way more clothes on than he does. Yeah. So.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, he's
0: a leg man.
1: Yeah. I, I guess he is a leg man. Yeah. But you know, I think anybody that, I think the way over the years that Zatanna has been presented, any person that's interested in whether you're a man or you're a woman, you're a leg person when Zatanna walks in the room. You know what I'm saying? She's got, legs and she knows how to use them as easy top would say so uh, <laughs> but yeah that's a good point she's obviously not into wannabes because she, she's just like i kind of feel like he's probably the over muscled shirtless dude that the you know the women are just like oh my god you know you know that's <laughs>
2: that just well no. she she's got a blind spot for um uh, John Constantine, who is like as far from Buona Beast as you can get.
1: Yeah, so, yeah exactly. She, a, she,
2: Zatanna has a type, and it is not the Tarzan type. So. He's a
1: small, scruffy British dude in a rumpled Columbo coat. Yeah, it's, that's, that's her style, you know, so <laughs> – and Batman, obviously, yeah. yeah. In this series,
2: yeah, uh, we see Pe- Red- people who are who are haunted by demons, both literal or figurative, oh. are, are her type. Yeah. And one of these is just—it's all surface, like male chimpanzee primate type of thing. It's, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing haunted about him. He's just. Yeah. He's just Stanley he's Kowalski. He's too
0: uncomplicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. there you
1: go. What you see is what you get. Jungle Super Tarzan, you know, that's that's what he is. So with with a thick th- thick New York accent for some reason. So um, yeah. We see Red Tornado calling out Suey in a very robotic voice, which I think is funny. Uh, uh, there's this big dramatic moment where this tornado comes down through the street, and it stops, and you see Red Tornado, which is cool. And then he's like, Suey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, elongated man stretches to high-rise office windows and shows a flyer that says, have you seen this pig? And this is the first time we see Ralph uh, you know, in the series other than just a crowd shot. Right. He doesn't speak He's voiced by Jeremy Piven in later episodes. Uh, he doesn't speak in this episode, but it was good. It's a, as a classic satellite justice league guy, we got Zatana, Red Tornado, and Ralph in this episode. Yeah. So that's cool, you know. Uh, and we see the Crimson Avenger in his original pulp hero outfit with the slouched hat and the, the cloak. Uh, he, he's going door to door and, uh, <laughs> there's a funny gag and a, a definite nod to bewitched. When the Crimson Avenger tells the homeowner, I'm looking for a pig. And the husband responds, Gladys, it's for you. Which, mm-hmm. which is, you know, pretty cruel, but it's a, it's a nod to the Bewitched show because Gladys Kravitz was the nosy, obsessive next door neighbor of the Stevens mm-hmm. on Bewitched who was constantly trying to prove that there was something weird going on.
0: And she was right. She
1: was right, but her husband, you know, she was always telling her husband, you know, that, uh, that stuff that was going on, he could care less. So she yeah. was, that's who they kind of got Agatha from WandaVision off yeah. of. Yeah. You know, when she was playing the, mm-hmm. the neighbor character and she mentioned the husband who ne- never, you mm-hmm. know, wasn't there. But, uh, so yeah, that was, that was a nice, nice little bewitch nod there. So I like that. Um, so after we see Beast chase Wonder Pig into the lot of the slaughterhouse or meat packing plant, Batman says they need a snitch and suddenly, he and Zatanna are with the literal Greek goddess of justice, Themis, blindfold, scales, and all. So, I, I mean, it looks like they are at the gateway of the underworld at the River Styx. I mean, wow that was a that was quite a scene switch,
0: right? Right. <laughs> but also, you have Zatanna who has all the magic, so she can take them anywhere.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, she could just poof them in, but it you know it. It, it was a little jarring because you see all these, it looks like tortured souls into the walls of the cave, mm-hmm. Uh which it reminds me of that, uh, the new teen Titans Baxter series, the first arc where Trigon actually takes over the world mm-hmm. and everybody's, there's just, everybody's like just in these, these tortured statues and, you know, it, everywhere there's just like walls of people, you know, it's, that's what it, it kind of reminded me of, but, uh, so did did that when I first watched this? I'm like, wait, what happened? Did that? Did you guys find that jarring, or is it just me?
0: Not where you're already dealing with Cersei, you know. It was like kind of like, oh, okay,
2: okay. What about you, you know? Ryan? Yeah, I kind of, I I kind of got a feeling halfway through this episode, like maybe Bruce Tim was reviewing the script and he's like, we just had for the man who has everything. We need more than three Justice Leaguers in this show to justify being. It's like, like, throw in some other characters. And they just, I was like, okay, we can have Ralph Dibney in here. It's like, what does he say? He doesn't say anything. We just put him in the background. And they just need to kind of like expand it, like beef up the world. So they like threw in some other characters in like this quick little like 10 second montage. And then. Yeah, just sending them down to the Underworld. It is an abrupt transition to take them out of, like, the streets of Gotham to put them down there. But for the story, I mean, it's a Wonder Woman-centric story, so it makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it does. But I think I think you're right because the fact that we see him in the Batmobile and Batman's like, we need a snitch. And it cuts to Zatanna and she's like, what's he talking about? And then the next time you see him, they're in the Underworld. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what? what? <laughs> This is like, you know, like I was waiting for, you know, this is like Bill and Ted, you know, uh bogus journey or something all of a sudden, but uh yeah, it's uh it's it, it, it's fine. We meet Themis and she says, "I'm a fan of your Justice League. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot in the name of justice whenever you call, you know, of course I'm going to answer." Mm-hmm. So they literally just had to say, "Hey, you know, right. can you meet us?" And she's like, "Oh sure, you guys do lots of work for you know, for my cause, I'll I'll help you out. Which, <laughs> but still, the visual of them standing there with, you know, blindfold scales. Yeah, it's it's a uh, spoiler warning for folks who haven't watched Moon Knight. But it's kind of like the hippo character showing up just out of nowhere, right? <laughs> You're like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <so laughs> I get the screen. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Batman and Zatana put on blindfolds, and if you ever saw Clash of the Titans or know your Greek mythology, you know who their stoolie is going to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, as we mentioned that, you know, Medusa is very modern. She refers to her old roommate as Sea Girl. She even says yada, yada, yada. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely sliding into, to that. And, uh, <laughs> what'd you guys think about her description of her time in the pit of eternal torment?
3: Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> that's where the that's where did uh, she say rats or did she say some other animal? I don't know. They bite oh, your they yeah. bite your fingers off at night. They grow back in the morning, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> believe me, it's not fun or something else. It like, gets
3: all real. It quick. gets
1: all real quick. That's what she says. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was cute. Yeah, <laughs> I mean disturbing, but uh, but cute. So. Uh Lorraine Newman voices uh Medusa and Themis. as uh, she is no doubt still best remembered as one of the original not ready for primetime players on the first few seasons of Saturday Night Live. These does she does a lot of animation voiceover work. And for some reason, I always think of Lorraine Newman, and this is not fair to her, but it's just it's in my brain that the commercial for the Super Bass-O-Matic 76 with Dan Aykroyd, where Uh, You know, they're making fun of those Ron Papil, you know, things you could get off TV, you know. And she looks at, she takes a drink out of it, looks at the camera and goes, that's great tasting bass. I just, I still, that's what I think of when I think of Lorraine Newman. I don't know why, but. I don't think I'm familiar with that bit. (laughs) Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) Medusa is actually visually based on Tallulah Bankhead, the actress Tallulah Bankhead. Bruce Tim and in the company on the commentary track said they kind of wished that they had known they were going to do that. They already had the, um, the audio when the show was animated. So they would have asked Lorraine Newman to kind of do a Tallulah Bankhead Mm. impersonation, but they, they didn't get to do it. But, uh, Tallulah Bankhead also was the black widow on the Batman 66 TV series. Okay, Not, Obviously, the Avenger, uh, right, right, not right. not Scar jo, right. a different Black Widow, uh, but obviously, but yeah, so she had a Batman connection too, so it was kind of kind of neat, uh, and I love her. You know, when uh, Themis says, you know, you get uh,
0: three hundred years off your sentence, yeah, all oh, freedom in forty ten, ring a ding ding, yeah, ring a ding ding. I mean, think about how many years you know she yeah. got to go. I mean, yeah, well, it's better than the what happened
1: to her at the you know clash of the titans she gets her head cut off you know yeah. it's
3: like
1: <laughs> takes out the kraken though mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> um batman has to pay share on the sticks ferryman a small service charge and i i gotta i don't know if you showed this episode to reese ryan but i kind of feel like he'd love this guy because he's a skeleton Oh,
2: he would <laughs> <laughs> he loves anything that like, looks like a skeleton yeah he'd be all up in that guy okay.
1: Yeah, he, I thought he kind of—he looks a little bit like the new Batman Adventure Scarecrow redesign. There's the, there's he does, yeah,
2: like, yeah, that, yeah, that recent really look, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I like that. He, he's a cool. It's a cool design, but yeah. So literally, they've, you know, they've, they've seen the the ferryman of the river sticks, and and Batman, you know, paid him some change out of his uh, utility belt. So, I thought, you
2: know, <laughs> but I, it was like. It was like- it was like they they knew they, again. I, what what I liked about this is it feels like something they've done before. Like this feels like, like Batman is maybe not as comfortable, but he's as familiar with this process as going to Arkham and
4: mm-hmm. sitting down
2: in front of Two Face or the Mad Hatter to get information about somebody. You know, he's he's done this before. Like like he has like the toll for the the ferryman in his in one of his pockets, like. Yeah, Yeah. I like that
1: part. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Batman has been to you know, uh, you know they in the uh, episode with Felix Faust, they were you know in the underworld Mm -hmm. and things like that. So are, are adjacent to the underworld. So they fought, you know, they fought the ancient warriors resurrected from the dead. They've you know at this at this point he's you know he's seen as as Winston said in Ghostbusters he's seen shit that'll turn you white. You know, so yeah. at this, at, you know, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that's true. I mean, this is kind of like, yeah, it's not quite the same as you know finding a, a, you know, one of his informants in 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 an alley in Gotham City, but it's it's still not that unusual for him. So yeah, it, like we mentioned, we cut back to Boa Beast, and that's where he he's talking to the pigs, and he's asking if they've seen Wonder Woman, you know, and he mentions that she's kind of <laughs> stuck up, so uh but it, it shows him in this he's standing in amongst all these pigs and these attendants at the slaughterhouse are leading the pigs up the ramp they don't notice a half naked man in a loincloth and a funky bug helmet
2: out of the middle of all these pigs hey. <laughs> or he wouldn't think to contain them and make sure none of the pigs leave this area and just, just like, okay i need to i need to like lock this part down and find one particular pig like
0: I know. I've, I've looked at these you pigs. Know. Okay, put them over here. Let's look at this next section. I, I'd love to have
1: seen it, that it, interaction with... Buana Beast walks up to the attendants like, hey, guys, I'm with the Justice League. <laughs> I need you to, like, bring all your pigs outside. Don't kill any right now, okay? You know, just... <laughs> they call the cops and, yeah, it's
2: like, this guy is not with the Justice League. Yeah, he's just escaped from the asylum. Right. Yeah.
1: right. Hey, Where does he keep his Justice League, you know, membership card? You know, in that loincloth somewhere? Ew.
2: <laughs> I, I did... I did think it's kind of funny. Like, we get to the you know, okay, our our hero Wonder Woman has been turned into a pig, and this is a silly situation. We're just kind of following it around, and then, oh, we the the stakes have now changed dramatically, and now she's in real danger. What is it? War world? No, it's an industrial slaughterhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, she walks in with the other pigs, looks up and sees, which surprises me that they showed that. They showed I the, know. they show the bodies of the, the the pigs, the, you know, the, the hanging carcasses. the carcasses hanging there and she's like it takes her a split second cuz she's obviously got some of her intelligence uh-huh. still her human intelligence or amazon intelligence and but then she's like, "Whoa, wait, this is bad." and then bolts.
0: So, uh yeah. I thought it was interesting that she didn't try and save the rest of the pig she was just out for herself
1: yeah well, and we'll get to that later because there's a part at the end that's kind of like I always thought something was gonna happen that 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 didn't so uh she obviously still has her super strength because she drags some of mm-hmm. it because she drags that worker across the floor when right. he's trying to when he's trying to grab her so yeah uh yeah there's some fun bits with that guy too he's trying to avoid the hooks. Mm-hmm. And he's dodging them left and right and then slams into one right in his head, knocks him over. And then he goes for a shot.
2: That was almost my power action move of the episode. Oh, was <laughs> it really? <laughs> that was almost my power action. When the guy <laughs> ran face first into the big hook and just took himself down. <laughs>
1: the, that, that's one of those things that's just, you just can feel how painful that is. <laughs> you know, like you run cause he, you know, you've accidentally, I've never run into a meat hook, but you've, you know, accidentally run into stuff like mm-hmm. that and it, it literally, I mean, my dad, has his, you gotta go under his deck to get in his basement. And for, you know, 40 years, I managed to never whack my head on the, 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 the overhang, the overhang, the beams underneath the deck that hang over the basement. Well, a few years back I wasn't thinking and bam, whacked myself. Oh, you did. Oh man, I about knocked myself out. I mean, it, it hurts so damn bad. I'm like, god dang it, I've been avoiding that for 40 years,
3: you know. Jeez. So, <laughs> we
2: we we call my dad Clark Griswold all the time because of the the Christmas vacation. Like three things from that movie have happened to my dad, including trying to pull the ladder down from the for the attic and the ladder swung down and hit my dad in the top of the head and knocked him oh. out. Oh.
1: Oh, oh, good lord! Cracked his,
2: head, cracked his head open. he, oh. he woke up like a, a full minute later, like bleeding on the on the on the floor of the garage. <laughs> like, oh
1: my god! Yeah, P- poor guy. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: he's
0: yeah, okay no, now. So let's laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> there's some fun gags with Zatanna and Batman busting on Cersei's show, and. She asks if there are any requests, and Zatanna says a backwards spell that sends a table flying at her. And then she just keeps pelting her with things uh, from the audience, and she's desperately trying to monologue, you know, you dare, and then hit, you dare, and, and
0: then... And then she just kind of gets sh- mad, she's like, because it just keeps running, she's quit! Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that, that's great. <laughs> and then she gets flattened by a piano... And her legs flattened out and roll underneath like the Wicked Witch of the East.
0: Oh, my God. In The
1: Wizard of Oz. Uh, apparently, Deanie had that in the outline, took it out, but James Tucker liked it and put it back in.
0: So. I know. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's another one of those. There's like, I mean, it's funny, but you're kind of going, oh, my, they did that? Yeah. <laughs>
1: There, there's, there's so many moments like that in this episode, mm-hmm. even lines of dialogue that we'll get to in a minute that reference other things that like, oh yeah, you guys, re- it's, it's lo- low hanging fruit, but they just, they ate all of it. You know, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> they just, they just went for it. So, uh, I, I, I thought, I don't know about you guys, but when Cersei changes her audience into animals, the designs and the animation are really well done. I thought that, mm-hmm. I thought they were really nicely done and, uh, it, it, I, I know this is a favorite of yours, Ryan, because the wolf looks a bit like the Anthony Lupus werewolf from the animated series.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it made me think I was waiting for that guitar riff to come in.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that would fit in with this show. because it, <laughs> It's all guitar riffs, right? So yeah, they, I mean, that, that was a outlier on the animated series, but here it would fit right in. So Mm-hmm. um we get a commercial break right before a commercial break the all the animals leap at batman there's a tiger mm-hmm. a boar a ram the wolf as we mentioned and they look like they're just piling on top of Batman I love Batman but I'm pretty sure even he'd be dead when we come back mm-hmm. from commercial break mm-hmm. if attacked by this many ferocious animals all at once i you know later we just see a tiger's on top of him that's enough it's a tiger mm-hmm. but it's like Eh, you know, I I, I don't I, I don't know it, it. It's a great break, but it's like maybe the stakes were a little too high for him to have survived that. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. Just maybe that's me, but you know, should
2: have had like a bat jaguar repellent spray or something like that, <laughs> like a wolf repellent spray, like yeah. all of these like things, like the shark repellent, but just had like an entire like pouch full of these things.
0: Animals of the plains repellent spray, <laughs>
2: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> in this episode, it would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely would have worked in this episode. When the attendant, who is voiced by Lorraine Newman's real life husband, Chad Einbinder, uh, shoots at Wonder Pig with a shotgun, as we mentioned, she deflects it with her bracelets, classic Wonder Woman style. So we've already, we've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned that. Uh, but, but, well, I don't know, Ron, did you weigh in? Did you think that was, was that a bridge too far? Did it fit in with the rest of the episode? What do you think?
2: A bridge too far? No, we passed that <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> it's the premise of the show. I was like, no, that I didn't think they jumped the shark at that point. I was like, no, it's fine. It it is what it is. It's it's silly, but it's also, freaking Wonder Woman got turned into a pig. Yeah, let her block a b- b- bullet with her bracelets, even in pig form. Yeah, yeah. It 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 actually it bothered me none.
1: Okay. Uh, apparently this was Tim's idea. I guess Deanie considered it, but he thought it was too much. Mm. But, uh, Bruce Tim really pushed them to slide deep, deep into the farce with this one, you know? So he, he was like, Hey, we're all in. So I, this episode, you know, that's a good point. Did they jump the shark? No, this episode, the whole show is like, it's Caesar's palace and Evil Knievel's just jumping over sharks left and right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what this episode is. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's jumping sharks everywhere. So. We jump back to the, the uh, factory slaughterhouse. And when one of the attendants grabs wonder pig, he actually says, that'll do pig. Uh, <laughs> so that is a very obvious nod to James Cromwell's character mm-hmm. in babe. So <laughs> yes, I mean, I thought that was, I, that was funny. And then the same guy says side of bacon coming up as they toss her onto the conveyor.
2: I know! Oh my
0: gosh what about the kids that were watching this and are like wait that's where bacon comes from yeah exactly
1: <laughs> i wonder if some parents had to field some questions they didn't want to yeah after this like mommy why are there you know what's that hanging in on those hooks over there and mm-hmm. like what they mean by bacon you know uh so yeah oh the shot of Zatana casting a spell uh that puts a cage around a panther, that'll be used in the credits later in the series. Mm-hmm. We see her where she puts her hand out like that and okay. cuts away real quick, but so that was nice. Um I, I totally bought based on what we've seen of Cersei that she's so deviously playful that she would actually be up for reversing the spell if she thought it would make someone squirm enough. Mm-hmm. I, I I totally bought that. You know sometimes you're like, well would they really would well, they really agree to that deal? But no, I think with her, it totally tracks. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Seems like.
1: Yeah. So, and then, of course, Batman sings. What did you guys think when you first watched this episode?
0: I was just like, oh, I had no idea he had that skill set. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Conroy or
1: Batman? Column A, column B. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Ryan?
2: A little bit of both, yeah. I was I was floored. I was like, "Oh my god, Batman is singing!" And I was like, "He's actually singing pretty well." They found a song that that works with Kevin Conroy's register, and it's like he's doing pretty well with this. I was like, this song must have been free." <laughs> I'm like, I just, <laughs> and then I found like other versions of the song. It's a good song. It's a great one. Um, Uh yeah. It, it, I was again kind of going back to what I said, like. I I love this as a response to the Batman can never smile. Batman doesn't sit down. Batman like is always on. It's like, no, this is, you have that reputation in order to break it down with a moment like this, Mm -hmm. that is silly, but also poignant because he is revealing this somewhat embarrassing part of his life. And certainly what he would feel is embarrassing to save somebody that he loves. And that's mm-hmm. the, the ultimate act of the hero, this, this sacrifice. And it doesn't seem like a sacrifice unless you were somebody as stuck up as Batman. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, yeah. that's the thing. So there's something so deep and dark and personal that you'd never want to sit, like that you would never want to show anybody. It's like, yeah, because this is the thing that he would do for wonder woman. He would sing for her. And, and, but also, also because it's Batman, if he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's, this, this, uh, perfectly fits Batman, the song as well. Um you know, the, the, if they could have done the rights, the, the only other one I could think of was Johnny Cash's The Man in Black. That would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Kevin Conroy had actually sung on, uh, an episode of Batman Beyond. I think it's out of the past. It's the one with Rachel Ghoul and Talia. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> if you've seen that episode, you know where I'm going. Uh, but, uh, uh, I won't spoil it for you, but, uh, that was when, uh, Terry took old Bruce to a play about Batman. Yeah. And there's a, there's a song, uh, Superstitious Cowardly Lot, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Conroy is playing an actor playing Batman singing that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here he is Batman and mm-hmm. he stays, like you said, he stays in his Batman, as we said, he's, as Ryan said, he stays in his Batman voice. Right. Um, but is able to sing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, and I believe Kevin Conroy had that on his, website with him like singing the whole song or something without the characters talking over it so uh, you you can probably find it out there somewhere
2: Uh, yeah i i'm sure i have actually listened to the whole version like i don't know if like you can maybe it might have been something you can just stream from a website it's not like available for purchase or download but um yeah i know that i've heard it like the whole song uninterrupted
1: me too years ago i think i've i found it yeah so yeah and and uh Again, this is another Bruce Tim thing because uh, a more traditional battle with Cersei was planned, but, uh, you know, Bruce Tim suggested they, you know, it, this episode is such a farce. You, you, you can't just end it in a traditional way. You've got to slide into, you know, <laughs> slide into home, uh, mm-hmm. with the farce and do something that they would never have done previously and thus Batman singing. And, and I remember Andrea Romano. I couldn't find exactly where she said it, but I remember she had said that they were wanting to find another reason for Kevin to sing because she thought he had such a wonderful singing voice. And, uh, so this is another, you know, uh, I'm sure she was involved in this too, obviously. And, and, you know, she's just such a wonderful casting director that the DC animated universe would not be
0: the same without her.
1: No, no. And I, I mean, I, 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 you know, full disclosure here. I think I mentioned it. Um, I I think I mentioned in a comment section, um, of one of our episodes, I have not been able to ever completely get into that Justice League action show because I feel like some of the voices are really annoying on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh So, it, it, you know, not everybody's Andrea Romano, unfortunately. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we get, like you said, Zatanna, she, Cersei's like, oh, he can stop now. And she's like, not on your life, mm-hmm. you know, until he finishes. I wonder if Batman ever found that out. Right. That she made him keep going when Cersei was willing to let him stop early. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) Well, she obviously told Wonder Woman what he did. Right. And what the song was. So I wonder if she didn't, you know, she, ooh, ooh, you know, think about this. She recorded on her crystal ball her performance. Yeah. I wonder if she didn't record Batman singing and then later showed it to you know, Diana, look
1: what he did for you. It's funny that you mention that because the original ending to this had her showing the entire Watchtower, Batman singing. Oh! And they'd said, "Nah, they let's have a moment between Batman and Wonder yeah. Woman."
2: Uh, that
0: would have been too much, and Batman would have been pissed. <laughs>
2: He never would have gone back. No. He, he would have left. He never would have seen the Justice League again. This no. is where
1: Batman forms the outsiders. Yeah. Right here.
2: <laughs> Congratulations, Atama. That's the start of Batman's super villain origin story. Yeah. Right, right.
1: I, that, I mean, what she does now is bad enough, but that would have been worse than the mind wipe and identity crisis. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry I brought Identity Crisis up, especially in an episode that have Ralph Demmey in it. I'm sorry. I, what What's Identity Crisis? I don't even know what that is. Next,
0: next thing. Next
1: yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, once again, the creators dodge something gruesome uh, and make it more effective. We don't see what's behind those rubber strips at the end of the conveyor belt. We don't even hear no. gears or gnashing no. or, you know, I, they probably couldn't get away with that. But, we can imagine what's there and it's, it's worse that way, I think, you know.
0: Well, and you have to figure the adults that were watching this with their kids knew what that was.
1: Yeah. 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 So a restored Wonder Woman busts through the wall. The attendants run for their lives. And when they open the door, all the pigs run in. And I really thought, and I think this every time because I guess I just think this is what should have happened that wonder woman was going to let all the pigs loose and run free i know i what do you think ryan
2: I, yeah um i mean she certainly couldn't feed the humans to the pigs so
0: <laughs> i don't know we could have some fried green tomato moment
2: yeah, yeah just, <laughs> just reverse it yeah uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it just, I mean, I know, and I'm, I'm, they've not said that, you know, is Wonder Woman vegetarian or anything like that. I don't think they've ever said that, but it just, I don't know. She was one of the pigs, so it yeah. kind of feels like, it's like, well, and she was in that group of pigs. I mean, I know there'd be pigs running loose in Gotham City, but it's it still at the same time, it, you know, I don't know. It just, it just felt like there was the moment where, even if she didn't do it on purpose, she busts through another wall and the pigs run out. Yeah, you know, I I kind of because you just get a close up of a pig like oinking at the camera, and then that's yeah. that's the last of the pigs. So, literally, yeah. Well, oh, Cindy, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I think Rob just stopped listening to this episode. Uh, <laughs> at least him, anyway. Uh, Batman tells Tana he heard the he heard am I blue. When he was on a stakeout protecting a singer, Penguin had threatened to kidnap. And Zatanna says, uh, "Ricky, what's his name? I-, I wonder if that was Ricky, Ricky Martin.
0: Martin." That's what I thought too. Yeah, that'd be around that time.
1: Be about the right time, but he's not like known for singing like standards or anything. Mm-mm. But uh, is, is there anybody? Oh, did you think? Did you think of anybody else, Ryan?
2: So in my head canon, he's talking about Rick Astley. Okay. And I just say that because now you have to drop. Never going to give you up in this part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You
1: you. You just rickrolled our episode, man. What the hell?
0: Yeah, but I mean, it also works because Batman's never going to give Wonder Woman up.
1: Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah.
0: (laughs) See? Perfect. Perfect, Ryan.
1: It would take a strong, strong man to ever let her go. I'm just saying.
0: I try, people, I
1: try. <laughs> uh I think more astounding than Batman's singing is him actually thanking Satana and admitting that he rarely does it. Mm-hmm. That is some real character growth for Batman. <laughs> 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 for this Batman. But like you said, this Batman is not like, you know, that that's one thing I I still like about the animated Batman. He is not completely the he's not the unlikable, inhuman, has no feelings, has no emotions. Totally. I mean, he yeah, he's a rich kid with issues, a lot of issues, but they're not so emotionally crippling that he can't interact with other people, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I'm so thankful for because I can't stand that Batman. So, uh, you
2: know, to to backtrack just a few seconds, I just looked up. There is a version of Am I Blue sung by Ricky Nelson.
1: Oh. Oh, oh, there you go. Ricky. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Has everybody ever noticed? I just got to bring this up because when else is Ricky Nelson going to come up on one of our podcasts? Ricky Nelson and Chris Evans look a lot alike. Hmm. Look up a picture of Ricky Nelson and look up a picture of Chris Evans and they're like, whoa, there's, and and, and Chris Evans even mentioned that and people ask like in one of those, who do you, who do you look like? And he's even said, some people say I look like Ricky Nelson. Hmm. So yeah, he, he does oddly enough. So. Totally off track here, but, uh, you know, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Uh, then we get back to the watchtower and, uh, Batman says, the important thing is you're safe. And then Wonder Woman responds, of course, that's not the only important thing. And then she hums, am I blue? So like you said, Zatanna had to tell her.
0: Oh yeah. Or show her, show or her something.
1: something. Yeah. It, it made me wonder. Did she go to Mykonos and did she like show up there? And cause she goes, Cersei. And flies off. So did she, like, track Cersei down herself, knowing where she might be? And she showed up there, and Batman and Zatanna are like, hey, hey, we, it's okay. We took care of it. It's over. Let's just go home. You know, or, or what happened? Or did Wonder Woman walk up and punch her in the face? I mean, what, what, you know? I kind of like to see what happened there, but, you know.
0: Well, obviously, she broke her parole because she was trying to break into that. And then she did you know, so... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's
1: according to what her parole stipulations were. If it was just not mess with Apolita, she didn't mess with Apolita. So, mm. and right now, Wonder Woman is banished from Paradise Island, Themyscira, anyway. Mm. So on this series, so remember because she let the League come there, and her mom's like, "Oh no, you're gone, girl," because you let them, you know,
0: you. I, well, you let your friends save us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is the dumbest <laughs> butt thing I've ever heard. Uh,
1: yeah. So. That, and and then we see, uh, this is about the only time, I believe, on a DCAU show where where we end with Batman with a goofy, gobsmacked grin on his face. So, yeah. <laughs> which plays into what you were saying, Ryan, that this, this breaks that, that grim Batman that can never crack a smile. Mm. Yeah. So what did you guys think overall of this one? Ryan?
2: Um, just uh, one uh, one other little note, um, and I don't know like what Paul Dini's thinking in, was or anything. Um, the Greece has many many amphitheaters, like like I, almost every city has a Greek. Um, I thought the fact that he they met, they singled out the amphitheater in Mykonos was interesting because there are much more famous amphitheaters. Uh, In Greece, one of them – I've actually – I have been there because uh, in high school I actually took a trip to Greece. Um, One of them is the amphitheater at the Acropolis in Athens Mm. um, where Yanni, of course – everybody loves Yanni Mm -hmm. – performed uh, (laughs) and and had a concert uh, there. Um, But the other one, probably the most famous one, is at – and now i can't what did i write it down epidaurus i think it's uh, the the amphitheater epidaurus um which was known for having sort of a, like these perfect acoustics and it's just because, like i mean if you go there today it's just like a flat stony like like marble ground and like rocks kind of like built like for seating built into a hill mm-hmm. uh on the side it's like all open like the the structure the buildings whatever this place had originally been Thousands of years ago is not there. It's just been wasted to time. But the, the shell of the amphitheater is still there. And it was kind of famous historically it is like on a quiet still day, you could strike a match at the center of the the stage cetera, and somebody sitting 50 rows back at the top row of the hill could hear the fire burning. Wow. On the match, no. um, when we went there, we actually tried to simulate like, my some of my friends tried, to, except it was too too windy and like they couldn't actually get the match to burn. We couldn't hear anything, but uh, some of my classmates, I actually, some girls, actually went down there and sang a song from uh, the bottom of the amphitheater. It was really it was cute, it was cool, but but yeah, so that that's just my own pre knowledge I have of Greek amphitheaters. So I was like, why Mykonos? There's nothing <laughs> famous about that one. Hmm. Well,
0: but that might have been the whole point, you know. She couldn't. She couldn't swing for the top fences. She could only do Mykonos. Right,
3: right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't look this up. Is is there any kind of statues in front of the in front of the one at Mykonos? Because Medusa says that line is like you know. Oh, you know, the statues out front, I said, that's mine. I, I did those, you I, know. and th-
2: I don't think there's anything, like, they are, like, left standing anymore. Nothing like the, what is animated. If you wanted something similar to that, it would be the one at the Acropolis in Athens. Okay. Um, that that has more structures and, like, physical, like, places, like, laid out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. But, hmm. Interesting.
1: I, I One thing we didn't bring up is they, both Medusa and Cersei brought up that, she always felt like she was, uh, you know, she could do just as well as her cousins, the sirens, and sing. Mm-hmm. So that's why she yeah. wanted to to put on her put on a show. So yeah, but we'll see. This is another perfect reason. You've actually been to Greek amphitheater, so you're another, another perfect reason we have you on this show. and right. I didn't even know it. So yeah,
3: right.
2: there you go.
1: It's this tailor made for you. So
2: I like to bring a little something extra. You bring, uh, that's but... some,
1: some class <laughs> and culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> to to answer your question though, like I, it's. It's a silly episode. Like you said, it's the, up front. It's a ridiculous episode, but I highly enjoy it because these are superheroes and we should let them be silly and ridiculous at times. And the more I've grown, I, I think DC's superheroes in particular need to be a little bit more kid friendly because we see when they're not, we get something I don't even want to watch. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I I like this type of thing. And again, it's not my favorite episode of Just the League Unit. I don't think it's up there like among the best, but because of the, the silliness, it's 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 memorable. Um and because we see again, you see Batman and Wonder Woman vulnerable in ways that you just never expect. Um Batman certainly being vulnerable emotionally and he sings a damn song in front of a crowd. Like he sings a jet in a jazz bar. It's like, fuck. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) What about you, Cindy?
0: Oh, I mean, same. I mean, it's one of those cases. I think it's got some good character bits. Yes. Is it silly, but do we also have some good character development and good character bits? Yes. Yeah. I, I think
1: they swung for the fences and they got a home run. I, I do think Paul Dini writing this helps, with his knowledge of the characters of Batman and Zatanna and his familiarity with with DC Comics in general uh that that helps sell it I, even his name on it helps because he's written some of the best DC stories period animated or otherwise mm-hmm. uh so you will allow this guy to go a bit wacky here and there mm-hmm. you know it, 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 his name on it kind of helps like ease it through like oh it's Paul Dini well we'll give him this one for being weird, you know, silly. Plus it's just fun. And I I agree with you totally, Ryan. It, it, you know, I, I I think we all, you know, I think, you know, lighten up Francis type thing with the KOTC, you know, know? I mean, it it really, if it's taken too seriously, then it just becomes, it becomes even more ridiculous than this because there's literally people running around in, you know, bat suits and, you know, I mean, it's, you got, you got to have a little bit of a, a little, levity. a little levity, a little wink here and there to, uh, uh, to sell it, you know, to, to, to make it palpable and, and, uh, I, I, um uh, palatable. Sorry. I, I think, uh, I, I just think this is a lot of fun. I agree. It's not one of the best, but it, it certainly sticks out. And in fact, uh, Mattel made a version of the Justice League Batman figure. That came with a tiny figurine of Wonder Pig,
0: which I s- promptly snatched for my Wonder Woman display.
1: Yes, so <laughs> yeah, it, it's not articulated, but there is a little Wonder Pig with the bracelet. So
0: yep. yeah. So <laughs> and it's mine. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so we'll jump into our superlatives. So power
0: action feature
1: for power action feature. What did you have, Ryan?
2: I mean, this one didn't have a lot of action and didn't have a, like a lot of big moments. So, the one I had to give it is when uh, Batman and Zatanna first arrive at the amphitheater and confront uh Cersei when she starts doing her villain monologue and and Zatanna's casting the spells and like the furniture starts flying in her face like tables are coming at her and she's like how dare you and she keeps being interrupted by like the, like <laughs> the curt like the um the tablecloth wrapping around she until she finally is like quit it <laughs> like, just, like, ready, like stop it you're ruining it and then the piano coming at her I just thought that whole series was probably like the best action and also like the funniest bit
1: yeah, I, that's a great one. What What about you, Cindy?
0: Honestly, I think it's when Wonder Woman and Batman are on the rooftop, and he's like, you know, naming off why they shouldn't be together. And he's like, well, they could come, you know, somebody coming after me would come after her, and she just crushes that gargle and like next. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I, that that's that's another great one. I I know it's not very action oriented, but but it is the it is the the climax of the the rising action in this episode. I actually just chose Batman singing. Uh, it's, it's the, uh, you know, occasionally it's I mean, Batman used his hidden superpower, you know, Mm. so (laughs) (laughs) it's literally like if you, if you have a Batman action figure, if you squeeze his legs, he throws a punch like the old superpowers figure. But if you squeeze him a certain way, he starts singing, you know, Mm. (laughs) so. <laughs> yeah. Rotating chairperson. Uh so uh rotating chairperson, who did you have that uh as your ex- ex- excelling Justice League or Ryan?
2: I think it had to be Batman. I mean, I I love Zatanna and I like that this she was the guest in this episode, but I I mean, it, <laughs> I don't want to say you could do this episode without her, but you kind of could have done this episode without her. It really, this, this was Batman's episode. It was his emotional journey and, and finally be having to confront and confess his love for Wonder Woman in the way that the plot needed him to do it, which was through song. Um, yeah, it was Batman. Okay.
1: What about you, Cindy? Same. Okay. I I will go against the grain and actually give it to Zatanna just because, uh, I, because, you know, I don't think we'll get to give it to her again, uh, and we'll get to give it to Batman again, and I can do that, because, you know, I'll I edit the show, so, uh, but, 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 uh, I, yeah, I, I think, I think Batman could have probably figured out how to get a hold of, you know, Themis and, and, and track her down, but Zatanna, you know, I, I think he needed that emotional support for what he was going through, if nothing else, he needed someone else to talk to that was a, uh, that that was a friendly ear that also was in the know, but that maybe wouldn't be as, you know, judgy about it or something, even though he probably should have thought, well, you know, there was kind of thing between me and her. If she picks up on me and Diana, then she might get a little testy about it. But, right. you know, that's Batman. He's not exactly the... He's not exactly the most up on reading people's emotions or caring about <laughs> people's emotions. No. So, uh, I think it fits, but yeah, I, I thought this was a, a good showing for her. So
0: Justice League communicator.
1: So for Justice League communicator, this episode's chock a block with, with great lines. What, what did you, uh, what, what stood out to you, Ryan?
2: Oh, it was, it was from the beginning and, and Cindy quoted it is when he said, when she's talking about like, uh, or he, when, when Batman's talking, about listing the reasons why they can't be together. And he says, you're a princess from a society of immortal warriors and I'm a rich kid with issues, lots of issues.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> So like, yeah, put, put, put a needle right on that
1: one. Yeah. Yep. That's the one I picked too. What about you? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, I mean, the fact that Batman will admit he's a rich kid with the issues, lots of issues in and of itself. That's another moment of character growth for Batman. Yeah. So. <laughs> comic
0: connections.
1: Comic connections. I didn't really have anything. Did you, anything stand out to you, Ryan, that from a th- comic specifically?
2: No, I didn't think like this was borrowing from anything specific. Um, the close, I mean. At years after this episode, Paul Dini would write Zatana comics, um, mm-hmm. some of which, one of which I, I covered on my podcast when he did the Zatana and Black Canary team up graphic novel. Right. Um, but then he actually, Zatana had a, a series actually for a while that Paul Dini wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am ashamed to admit that I have not read every issue. I have the trade paperback. In fact, I think I have every issue digitally too, but I've only read like a third of the series. It's good. It's enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, in terms of I was trying to think if there was any other like i i think there like a like maybe the original pitch with uh a uh, turning the the justice League into animals might have been more of a comic and one than what we actually get here,
1: yeah right. I, I think there was an old justice League issue where they got turned into animals, if I remember right, an old yeah. you know satellite era comic um. So, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't find anything. Oddly enough, uh, Adini does admit, uh, does, does say on the commentary track that while he was working on this episode, he met his, uh, his, uh, illusionist magician wife, uh, I believe her name's Misty Lee, uh, he met her. And of course, she famously dresses like Zatanna in her stage show. So, right. <laughs> so, so he met her while he was working on this episode. So, hmm, magic. <laughs> it was research. It was research. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Paul, why did you charge the studio all this money to fly to Las Vegas to see the stage show with this woman? I'm, I'm researching Zatanna. <laughs> see, it's a business experience. You had to go there every night for a month. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I guess that'll wrap things up uh, for this episode. Ryan, thanks as always for stopping by. It was a lot of fun, and and uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing this episode without you. Just because Zatanna, but then you brought the, the the Greek amphitheater knowledge. Who knew? I'm I mean, you. yeah, just. You classed this place up. You really did. So, uh, that,
2: that is my, my secret, very personal thing that I had to reveal. I'm <laughs> just like hey, there you go. It's <laughs> you go. the cost of magic, uh, a magic podcast is that, that personal sacrifice. So I, <laughs> I gave up, I gave up that information. So. <laughs> That's uh, right. Thank you for having me. I, I love talking about the episode. So it was good.
1: Oh, great. That's great. So, so where can folks find you nowadays podcast wise?
2: Uh, all over the the Fire and Water podcast network. I mean, if if people want to hear me talk about things more familiar to this subject matter, as Chris mentioned up at the top, uh, we used to talk about Batman a lot on Batman Nightcast, some old comics there. I talked about Zatanna and all of her comic book appearances from her first appearance up until the time when she actually joined the Justice League. I've covered all those issues as well as a few others on. Uh, power the power of fishnets podcast which is about zatanna and black canary um but right now i just podcasting about my favorite television show of all time which is cheers you can find me on cheers cast every thursday
1: great that's great i i enjoy that show a lot and i'm 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 enjoying your your examination of uh the season this season where uh and and i the the interesting dynamic that they've switched up with uh Sam and Diane, that's uh, – <laughs> I know you're not a real big fan of the way they're doing it right now, but it's interesting to hear you podcast about it. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> and, and it's all coming to a head because by the end of this season, we will have had a major change. And and every time I, I kind of think about how big – like oh, 275 episodes. I've got to do 275 episodes of this podcast, but now I'm like – I am – kind of close to halfway done right right
1: (laughs) yeah i know you're like like i think i mentioned last time you're you're kind of in your almost in your justice league unlimited phase where rebecca comes in right
3: (laughs) yeah yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) where the show changes yeah so (laughs) uh thanks again for stopping by and we'll keep you on call for when black canary actually shows up and speaks in an episode so
2: She's yeah. got some good
1: ones. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, will Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, uh, special thanks to our Patreon supporters for information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Visit patreon.com slash FW Podcast. Extra special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, and Neil Whitney for specifically supporting JLUcast. Uh, you know, hopefully you, you guys have already revealed your magic talent that's supporting uh, our network. So thank that's you. That's right. So thank that's you guys right. for that. That's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, Next time, it's a sequel to one of the more memorable episodes of the original Justice League animated series where a certain adaptive android comes back to Earth. Is he out for revenge? Tune in to hear our discussion of The Return. And there may just be a return of a fan-favorite Justice League or two at the very end. Hang around for that. See you then. Bye.
3: Bye.
4: Am I blue? Am I blue? And these tears in my eyes telling you. JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to Supermates Podcast at gmail.com Comments can be left at firewaterpodcast.com Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast in FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FW Podcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast. Was it time Was her only one But now I'm The sad and lonely one Lordy was I gay Till today Now she's gone and we're through Am I blue Now she's gone and with No. No dating for the Batman. It might cut into your brooding time.
2: One, dating within the team always leads to disaster. Two. You're a princess from a society of immortal
3: warriors. I'm a rich kid with issues. Lots of issues. And three, if my
2: enemies knew I had someone special, they wouldn't rest until they'd gotten to me through her. Next. There.
4: Same by the bell.